Hello, I am Dr. Dan Vick, Chair of the Medical Society of the State of New York's Committee on Emergency Preparedness and Terrorism Disaster Response. Today, I am joined by Dr. Lorraine Giordano, Dr. Arthur Cooper, Dr. William Valenti, and Dr. Craig Katz to discuss why national and state preparedness is important to physicians. Certainly, the events of September 11th changed our state and our country in ways we still can't fully understand. Preparedness for any type of emergency, be it a flood, hurricane, an infectious disease outbreak, or another terrorist attack, is essential and is especially important for physicians and other healthcare providers. Physicians are the cornerstone of the healthcare team. A physician is expected to take charge of the healthcare team in rapid assessment, diagnosis, and treatment of patients. Moreover, this must be accomplished in the context of complex and evolving emergency response operations. This is a daunting and potentially insurmountable task. A physician's ability to successfully enhance the overall health outcomes throughout a public health emergency, as well as the resulting aftermath, is essential to a community's recovery efforts. We recognize that time is one of our most valuable commodities, especially as practicing physicians. However, there is no commodity more important than adequate preparedness. The purpose of this podcast is to explore the ways in which MISNI has helped New York's physicians and other healthcare providers prepare for public health emergencies in a post-9-11 world through a variety of measures. Let's begin by talking a little bit about 9-11. And the first question to our panel members, what was your experience on 9-11? Dr. Giordano? I had the same feeling that others had of total disbelief and horror. I had concerns for the safety of family members who were working there, profound survivor loss, essentially at the multiple friends and colleagues who died that day. I also had a fear of multiple incidents occurring. There was gratitude for being out of town and hence alive, and the desire to assist and provide services to survivors and colleagues. I never expected to be ringing doorbells and going door to door to search for victims and to provide aid to others who were there requiring medical care. Clearly, this was very much of a life-changing event for many people. In my experience, I was in the Army at the time, stationed as the Assistant Chief of Pathology at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. I happened to be on leave on 9-11, and as was customary, called into our company headquarters that day to confirm my leave status. At that time, I was informed of the attack that had just occurred on the Pentagon and in New York City earlier. I received a call from my boss notifying me that my leave had been canceled and that I needed to come and report to work. I spoke with the Prince George's County Emergency Preparedness Office to determine the best way for me to make the 40-minute commute from my home down to Fort Belvoir and was told that things were so chaotic at that time they weren't really sure which way to recommend to me. I got to within about a mile of the gate leading into Fort Belvoir and had to wait for well over an hour. Finally, I drove my car into the oncoming lane to get down to the gate where they suddenly had set up machine gun nests. I explained to one of the MPs that I was a physician at the hospital and needed to get in there because we were expecting casualties from the Pentagon. I got to the hospital and found that we had a command post that had been set up, and I was sent as the pathology representative to that command post. During the afternoon, we monitored 
radio traffic with two ambulance teams that we had sent to the Pentagon and listened to their reports. We were expecting some of the walking wounded and, in fact, received five of the casualties at our hospital during the course of that day. Dr. Valenti. I uh, saw the events of that day while I was getting ready to go into the office. reminded me of the day President Kennedy was shot. It was a pretty sober kind of day and one for reflection, certainly. Dr. Katz. I had just started directing our psychiatric emergency room here at Mount Sinai. Phone rang when it was my good friend Anand. We had co-founded our disaster organization together, and he said the World Trade Center has just been hit. The rest of the blur, and I was in the ER all day. We were braced for patients that were going to come flooding in that never came, and preparing for the worst right there in the ER that never happened. And I remember going home late, late that night, and the streets were just empty and dark in Manhattan, and it was very eerie, along with military vehicles going down the street. It was just one of those days that I, I wish I'd never had experienced. Dr. Cooper. Ironically, Dr. Giordano and I were both attending meetings of the State Emergency Medical Services Council in Albany. And the meeting was about to start at 9 o'clock. Many of our colleagues were gathered around a television set in the hotel restaurant where the meeting was held. I walked in moments after the first plane struck. People were shocked, astonished. No one could quite believe it. Of course, the news media were all over it, and everyone was wondering, what is this? What's going on? And then, of course, the second plane hit uh, not long thereafter, the South Tower, and I think immediately everyone then recognized that this was no accident, that this was something that was, frankly, a terror event. One thing that I knew was that as director of trauma at uh, one of our city trauma centers, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so I jumped in my car, and shall we say my tires probably barely touched the road uh, on the way back to the city. On the way, made several calls, made sure that all elective operations were stopped and that all elective blood transfusions were stopped. Again, exactly as Craig's experience had been, expecting the emergency department and our trauma center to be flooded with victims who never came. How did the events of 9-11 change the way in which you practice medicine? I think to encourage the patients to be prepared, especially if they have special needs, such as dialysis patients, writing emergency scripts for patients for their go bags, to be more aware of readiness and involvement in active disaster planning and community participation. I think really that disaster medicine has become everyone's second specialty. 9-11 changed me in the fact that I became more involved with emergency preparedness. My experiences with the 9-11 as well as the anthrax attack ended up that I was assigned as the medical director for microbiology in my next Army posting. Soon thereafter, I left the Army and entered private practice in Syracuse, and because of my experiences with microbiology in the Army, was asked to be the medical advisor for a reference laboratory that we have in the Syracuse area. And in the course of being involved with that work, got involved with the State Medical Society and was very much eager to participate in the Committee on Emergency Preparedness. I've also registered with the uh, Central New York Medical Reserve Corps. Well, for one thing, it lulled me out of any sense of complacency about unexpected events. President Bush's formation of the Department of Homeland Security, something that had never occurred to me before, was a wake-up call in terms 
of a more comprehensive uh, nationwide approach to expecting the unexpected. It certainly changed the way I thought and looked at these kinds of things. I think the 9-11 experience really changed how I thought about disasters. I'd been involved in disaster response before 9-11. It was responding elsewhere in other communities, and I was very focused on the immediate response. We quickly realized when this happened right here in our own city that this was going to be a long-term effort. And I had never really lived it and uh, was really focused on that high adrenaline early period. Fortunate enough to be able to, to get funding to start a, a long-term World Trade Center program focused on 9-11 responders, which I thought would go on for a while, but is actually still going on even now. I'd have to say that the events of September 11th really changed profoundly the uh, entire direction of my career. I'd previously been focused on emergency medical services for children as a pediatric trauma surgeon, but I realized after the events of September 11th that it wasn't enough to be able to simply know how to care for one trauma patient or teach others how to care for one trauma patient, that we needed a system to care for trauma patients in the event of a major disaster, particularly children. So the major focus of my professional and academic work since September 11th, uh, 2001, has been on pediatric disaster preparation. It's been an exciting and exhilarating sort of ride. I must say, however, that there are still many individuals who are sort of in a state of denial about the possibility of disasters, even though they may have lived through some traumatic events in their own neighborhoods and their own lives. Why do you feel that it is essential that physicians in New York State be involved in emergency preparedness? I think on a personal level that the physicians need to prepare not only physically but emotionally as well for what they may potentially be seeing. I think seeing the destruction and loss of life, you really need to prepare yourself and to realize that post-traumatic stress is a very real issue. I think the physicians need to know and have plans for their offices, for their local communities, and of course for themselves and their families. I think that it's essential for physicians to be involved because of the fact that every disaster can be very unique. It's important for physicians to recognize and to establish a level of preparedness that will help you in working through and dealing with the disaster at hand. As healthcare professionals, there are a lot of health-related issues that surround these kinds of events so that being part of uh, being a first responder, you may not necessarily be on the scene of an event, but the kinds of things that happen, whether it's a mass casualty situation or an infectious diseases outbreak situation, patients would certainly have questions, so we need to be armed with information that's accurate and timely. I think we live in, in a very populous state that is potentially prone to both natural and man-made events. We remain, I believe, one of the top potential terrorist targets in the world, and we've been very fortunate that there hasn't been another 9-11. But things happen here in New York, and there's always going to be a health and a mental health impact. I think it's our civic responsibility to think about the, the well-being of our communities and to be prepared. My second thinking is, particularly in the New York City area, we get a lot of immigrants here, right, refugees, and they come in the aftermath of their own disasters of various types, 
in their home country. It's not so much understanding about necessarily the system response, but at the individual level, having that clinical training will enable you to help these folks when they walk in your door. And in New York State, they will walk in your door from all over the world. There's a saying that disaster medicine really needs to be everyone's second specialty because we never know when or where a disaster is going to strike. We can all think of the really numerous examples in New York State of disasters that have occurred just within the last few years. As Craig mentioned, both uh, human-made and uh, naturally occurring. I think of the small plane crash in Buffalo a few years ago, the ice storms in the North Country, the tornado that struck Newburgh, New York several years ago, not to mention the incredible flooding that affected many parts of the central part of the state and in the aftermath of Hurricane Irene. Disasters are always with us. In fact, the very term disaster is derived from the classical languages, and it means evil star in the sense of a falling star that can strike anywhere at any time without notice. What do you consider the most important aspect of emergency preparedness for healthcare professionals? I think a knowledge of local resources is critical, and also having a sense of personal, family, and professional readiness. To me, these are the two keys. I also agree that emergency preparedness from a personal standpoint is really important. I think that it's very difficult to focus on the professional tasks at hand if you have in your mind underlying concern about what is happening with your own family during the time of disaster. Having that measure of reassurance that your own family presumably is safe will help keep your mind focused on what you're doing with the work at hand. Most important is leadership. I think that as healthcare professionals and as physicians, we have a unique role to play that centers around health. We can be dressing wounds, treating patients, dealing with mental health issues, other crises, uh, and uh, as well as infectious diseases. So we each will be called on in some way to take a leadership role, whether it's uh, in the office with our patients or uh, part of a broader agenda. But I think as physicians, because of our duty to patients, the role that we play that centers around all aspects of health, that be prepared and be prepared to lead in some way. I would add to what Bill said and going beyond leadership also to talk about the need to be collegial and to partner. Physicians in particular are sort of used to more or less in the clinical environment uh, being in charge and in the field and disaster response, there's a more level playing field and someone else is going to be in charge from the emergency response community, local government or whoever's in charge. We have to be able to be willing to be open to work with lots of different people, and that requires a little bit of humility and finesse. It's very interesting to hear Bill and Craig uh, speak in this way because, in a way, they've touched on the first two C's of the three C's of the disaster response, coordination, collaboration, and communication. I'll touch on the third. Uh, Bill spoke about leadership, which is, of course, vitally important in terms of coordinating a disaster response. Uh, Craig spoke about collaboration, which is also vitally important. In a disaster, it's all hands on deck. 
And what we as healthcare providers are in charge of is the care of our individual patients. In a disaster, we all have to work together in order to do the greatest good for the greatest number. And the one way that we can probably accomplish both those goals in the most efficient manner is to communicate effectively. In every study of every disaster that's ever been done, a communications emerges as the number one lesson that needs to be learned. We as physicians need to be very, very clear about what we say because our patients, our families, our communities are going to turn to us for proper information, for correct information. And how we frame a particular issue to our patients, our families, our communities is vitally important and it can make the difference between an effective community response and one that degenerates into chaos and fear. What does emergency preparedness mean to you? Essentially, not only working as part of the community and having a, a sense of preparedness for myself, but also for the family members, having a work environment that is aware and has a plan for action, and then having our patients prepared so they know what to expect. Preparedness means being able to have a plan, to know what an alternative plan is, and that it has to encompass your own family, your patients, as well as your staff. If you're in an office setting, your staff know what to do if presented with an emergency situation. I think an important part of what we do involves thinking ahead and thinking of what might happen next and being prepared for that. For me personally, emergency response, I've learned over time, requires a flexibility in terms of what's entity I work with. In other words, being more committed to the disaster response than to any particular disaster response agency. I particularly had this experience after Hurricane Sandy where the organization I had helped develop to respond to disasters really didn't seem to need to be up to responding. And I was able to connect with a different group and I felt somewhat disloyal. And there are lots of loyalties in politics in the disaster response world like in the rest of the world. Lots of turf. I'm a physician, and my first responsibility is to the health of my patient, the health of my community, not the health of my disaster response organization, and I've tried to live by that over time. Emergency preparedness means literally just what it says. It means that at any given moment, our community can be struck with a major disaster causing a plethora of medical emergencies and that we as individual actors within our communities have to be prepared to respond. That means that we have to take the responsibility, the individual personal responsibility, to educate ourselves on how the disaster response system works, how we can lead as physicians, how we can partner as physicians, uh, how we can speak as physicians. In other words, back to the three C's, coordination, collaboration, and communication, how we can fulfill that role as, if you will, stewards of the profession of health care that, that is going to be called upon in the event of a major disaster. Let's move now to a discussion about the electronic toolkit. Ms. Need is pleased to announce the creation of the Physician's Emergency Preparedness Toolkit to assist healthcare professionals in emergency preparedness. This toolkit provides resources necessary to enhance public health security and preparedness for all hazards. MISNI's Physicians Emergency Preparedness Toolkit contains an extensive list of electronic resources for physicians to use during or in preparation of public health emergencies. How do you envision MISNI's Physicians Electronic Emergency Preparedness Toolkit assisting healthcare professionals in emergency preparedness? 
certainly provides all of the information that we need in one place. And for someone who hadn't quite thought about the framework for preparedness and response to the events we're talking about, this certainly is a good summary of infectious diseases uh, and biological disasters, chemical agents, radiological events, mass casualties, and so on. In the spirit of preparedness, it is a good idea for all of us to just take a look at some of the websites that are listed in the toolkit and become familiar or understand a little bit more about the framework for preparedness and a little bit about some of the responses in various settings. The drugs that are listed are good workhorse drugs that cover uh, a lot of situations and get us to the next step. There's a list of infection control-related equipment, everything from alcohol uh, pads and antibacterial wipes to face masks and sharp containers. I think the ability to have ready access to a convenient resource such as the reference cards is very important. And to be able to pull that up, have it in a desk drawer, to keep it in a physician bag, wherever is convenient, to know that you have access to that is really essential. The mental health reference card, I sort of feel like if someone has it in front of them or happens to have it on them, then it's achieved its major goal, which is just to have every physician have mental health in the back of their mind. I think some of the most important parts are the part about psychological first aid basically describes how easy it is to be psychologically attuned as a physician and to minister to people's, as we call it, hidden wounds, their psychological wounds, without doing very complicated things. We're not talking about complicated psychiatry here. We're talking about pretty basic support and uh, empathy, and that's what the psychological first aid part of the card details. The card also talks about using medication in the acute phase right after disaster, which the humane thing to do is to have short-term medications available to help people with their excessively high anxiety or problem sleeping. It also talks about the common diagnoses, major depression, PTSD, substance use disorders in particular. We don't think about psychiatric diagnoses, more we think about symptoms and reactions, but over the long term too. So the card actually has a little bit of one-stop shopping to do some basic mental health in the short and long term. This is really the best one that I personally have seen in the last 15 years. It really puts everything together in one place, readily available at the physician's literally fingertip. I think the uh, real core of the toolkit, in my judgment, are the two reference cards, the one on physical disasters that uh, individuals may face and the other on the emotional disasters. In addition, of course, there's the uh, physician checklist that talks about supplies, uh, individual offices and physicians may need to have. There's a checklist that allows the individual office-based physician to really to prepare his or her practice uh, for the possibility of a major disaster. The nice thing about the online emergency preparedness, especially the live medical matters webinars, is the convenience and the ability to obtain that information and education in the convenience of my own office during the workday. To have access to the experts who have prepared and understand the material who can present it is very important. I think the subject matter is very applicable to the vast majority of physicians in their private practice settings. Not only does it cover information specific to particular emergency situations and scenarios, but also some of the elements that need to be considered outside of that, such as the mental health impact of emergencies and disasters, as well as 
personal preparedness. Speaking as uh, both a speaker and an attendee of the Medical Matters webinars, they really are quite good and brief and to the point. Uh, the only other thing that I'd say is we're all busy, but uh, I'd recommend getting this uh, information in, in advance and downloading this into the office computer or laptop to have it in advance uh, and not have to go looking for it when disaster strikes. I think the biggest challenge about disaster preparedness is being prepared and being ready. It's very hard to be prepared, a lot easier to find yourself unprepared. And uh, the beauty of the MISNI offerings, the various trainings and the webinars and the, the Midday Matters is MISNI has done it for you. They've told you what you need to know and keep up with. You don't have to go searching for it. It's right there. And so it's sort of ready-made preparedness designed by fellow New York State physicians for New York State physicians. And for the investment, it holds great, great, great return. I know of no other state medical society or, frankly, national or international medical society that has made available this depth and breadth of resources to their colleagues in medicine and nursing and public health. We want everyone to have an opportunity to, to utilize it because in the event of a major disaster, it's going to be all hands on deck, and we need everybody's support to get through that moment. The toolkit itself is, uh, as I've met, is truly extraordinary, but the collection of online CME programs and the periodic medical matters offerings are really incredible. We all know that in the event of a major disaster, there will need to be a lot of what is, has come to be called just-in-time training. But just-in-time training has to be built on a solid foundation. And having had the opportunity as speaker and as an attendee, there's little question in my mind that participating in these programs sort of builds a base of knowledge that in the event of a major disaster can be called upon with just a the little bit of refreshment. I join with everyone in really commending the entire series of programs that have been developed by the, the Medical Society in partnership with the New York State Department of Health in educating the healthcare workforce in New York State and our nation in a medical disaster response. I think that it is important to underscore the need for emergency preparedness and for physicians across the state to take responsibility to educate themselves and to prepare themselves, again, from the family standpoint, from the office standpoint, and from the ability to interact with other emergency preparedness professionals in your local communities. I think that together we can face and address emergencies and disasters as they occur and provide the best care and outcomes for our patients in the process. Thank you all very much for participating today. Have a good day.